Good morning. Welcome to Ordinary Life, which is an educational offering by St. Paul's United Methodist Church. And I want to get a plug in right up front for the uh, Bible study that's being done on Wednesday evenings from 6 to 7. We're studying the book of Ecclesiastes, and I confess it's been a long time since I've read that particular wisdom book in the Hebrew tradition. But I'm also reading it in tandem with uh, Living an Examined Life by James Hollis, hmm. which I recommend because the subjects of both books are the same about seeking wisdom and uh, seeking meaning. And there are a lot of great lines uh, in, in both. I'm enjoying it. Are you getting something different from seeking an examined life or living an examined life than you did the first time? I read it every year since it came out. And I read a page a day, although I found out this week I guess I just missed this in the preface of the book that you're to read a chapter every week. But I Not read every one night. every day Over and make cheaper. notes in my journal about it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, always, I always see something different because I think I'm different. The world is different mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. that's what makes it possible for us to teach about the same things over and over <laughs> So today we're going to teach about a daily spiritual practice. In yeah, <laughs> in a way, in a way, and and next Sunday yeah. too. Yeah. Um, also, um, outdoor worship, gathered worship services have begun at St. Paul's. You can find out all about that and a lot, lot more on the St. Paul's website. And check out our own as well. And before we get into the usual announcements, <clears throat> Holly and I both have been blown away. Mm. Be careful, because we could spend all lesson talking about Well, this. we spent all of our podcast <laughs> talking about Pretty it. much, yeah. yeah. There is a film on Hulu called In and of Itself. If you don't have Hulu, find somebody who does. Borrow or... their password. <laughs> I'll loan my password. Really? I will. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. <laughs> or you can probably get it for free at a trial and then yeah. back off. The movie is, it's not a movie. It's a film of a dramatic enactment. Is that what you would call it? I mean, it's a film, a spliced together film of an ongoing show that lasted for a, just under two years. And they have pieced together parts of this magic show into a single film, but it's so much more than a magic show. I mean, not to dis, di, di, that's, a, if, if we esteem magic this much, and we say that this film is so much more, then it's, it's awesome. That film has wormed its way into my heart and head in a way that no other film I've seen in years mm. has. I think about it. I've thought about it every, every day this week, too. I had a long conversation about it last night. Because um, I then, in turn, told several friends you need to watch this show. So uh, Scott Wells is a member of this class, and he's a professional magician. And he made a really great suggestion. It's not ruining anything to tell you this mm -hmm. as you watch this film for the first time, uh, whether you're watching it by yourself or with somebody. At some point in the film, the actor is going to get a volunteer to leave the theater with a commitment to come back the next day, right? Mm -hmm. And the, the, the agreement that the volunteer makes is to take a book and write in the book 
how he thinks the rest of the evening will go. Yeah. And Scott suggests stopping the film at that point and doing that yourself mm -hmm. or having a discussion among others to do that. Mm -hmm. I promise you, you will not be disappointed if you watch yeah. this. That's a great idea because we talked about this idea. Here we are. Now we're getting into it. The idea of continuation, that this thing never ends and that everybody is a part of it. It's just all we can say is go watch in and of itself on Hulu. And if you are disappointed, we'll counsel you through that. <laughs> we'll wonder about things. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, thanks, as always, to Tim Leatherwood and John Watson and Olivia Watson and William Budge for the work they do in making this possible. And I want to say that I, we have some hopes for this time today. One, that, uh, one of the hopes that we have is that there's a deepening in awareness as a result of what we do today of who we are an understanding of who we are, and also that there's a deepening awareness and an understanding of who sacred mystery is and maybe where, and I wouldn't go as far as to say what, but that's what we're shooting for in that, in, in this. And also that because our country is in such need of this and our world, that we get strengthened in our commitment to treat others as if they were us because they are. Mm -hmm. um, I hope you end up being disturbed today too by joy. <laughs> you want to say anything about the podcast or money or? Yeah, uh, two things. So we do have a podcast as we've, as we've mentioned and you can find it now on Spotify. So I put a link in our most recent podcast notes on our website to get you to Spotify because I think you have to have a certain number of listens on Spotify before it just shows up in the feed. Um, so we're Spotify, Apple, iTunes, and then via our website as well. And um, it's been fun and I hope you join us because it's a way to kind of get into <laughs> the minds of Holly and Bill as we prepare from Sunday to Sunday. We also have, even though we're not in person, we pass the plate virtually. Um, we do have an online donation uh, capacity in which on our website, there are buttons all over the website that just say donate. If you press donate, it'll take you to a page. And in the memo, you write ordinary life. If you do choose to donate to Ordinary Life, your money goes towards nonprofits that are supporting the poor and underserved communities in and around Houston. So it's all a really good cause. This is, and only every other year do we buy a piece of Bill's jet to kind of <laughs> gradually build it. So far we've got a Lego model. So uh, <laughs> seriously, we were out walking the dog. Named Jet. By Names the way. Jet, um, <laughs> day before yesterday, and we're right on the the flight path for a hobby mm -hmm. when uh, planes come in. So is this church when mm -hmm. the uh, wind is out of the east, planes come right over, and I can tell by the sound whether it's a private jet or a commercial jet. <laughs> and I heard this private jet, and I looked up and I saw it, pointed it to Sherry, and I said, uh, "That one's a little bit bigger than the one I'm getting." <laughs> well, thank goodness you only want a small one. And, this, and if you look at them up in the sky, they're only really about that big. They're bigger than that when they get over my house. Look up like that. 
And I will let you know that just this week, we gave an additional, you gave an additional $5,000 for immediate COVID relief to people who are really hurting in St. Paul's community. Yeah. So uh, thank you for that. And we want you to know that no matter who you are, no matter where you are in the world, pajama person, uh, pancake person, wine and cheese <laughs> person, whatever, um, you're welcome here and we are glad you are here. So, this is going to be a different time today. It is. I'm looking forward to yeah. it. Yeah. One of my very favorite books of all time begins with a page that's titled The Author's Blessing. And I have adapted it for this time. It's a prayer, if you will. And it goes like this. If you have come here for laughter, may you find it. If you're here to be offended, may your ire rise and your blood boil. If you seek an adventure, may this time sing you away to blissful escape. If you need to test or confirm your beliefs, may you reach comfortable conclusions. All spiritual teachings reveal perfection by what they are or what they are not. May you find that which you seek. In this space or outside here, may you find perfection and know it by name. Hmm. So the title that we have given <clears throat> this time today is What Good is Prayer? And there are three things that have led to this. First is our context. Um, in this regard, by the way, do you get HBO Max? We have, I'm sure we have it. We have there is a program on that one of our class members re recommended to me since we last met called The Soul of America with historian John Meacham. Mm -hmm. It's really worth watching. Mm. I like him mm -hmm. uh, and I think he's a brilliant guy. He's got a wonderful voice and um, he's really a, a scholar of history and he says that where we are right now in our history in the United States is a place where we've been before. Oh, yeah. Well, we know that history tends to repeat itself, don't we? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that this time may be the uh, point where um, we're on the thinnest ice we've been on ever in our history as a country. But if you look at some of the images in this documentary about him... I think it's very in, encouraging and disturbing mm -hmm. about where we are. So the context of the, that we are in is one of the things that has shaped this. One of the things that I have been aware of over the last several weeks and months is in, the increasing amount of grief mm -hmm. that I'm being exposed to. People who have directly experienced loss of loved ones, loss of jobs, loss of routine, mm -hmm. uh, and, the, and the weight that that is ha having on people. Um, now we're teaching from the Christian tradition. Uh, so we're using the teachings of Jesus right now to help us navigate this time where the virus is not only revealed a lot about the structure of our country and what we depend on and so forth. But during this time, of course, we have had events like the pivotal event of the murder of George Floyd, 
which has been unlike anything in, in recent history. So um, Jesus offers us, as he did to those whom he first encountered, the possibility of having our eyesight healed or restored so that we can begin to see what blocks the new reality that Holly and Ilya Delio and other people who are really knowledgeable about the new cos about cosmology, forgive me for saying that, want to know. Approximately 14 billion years old. Yeah, not new. <laughs> so um, context is one thing, scripture is the other. So we're teaching from this tradition and scriptures of any tradition, uh, Buddhist, Hindu, Tao, whatever are intended to be interpreted in light of the significance of the time of the people who are doing the interpretation. So we have reached in the collection of Jesus sayings that we're going through, known as the Sermon on the Mount, this passage. And when you come before <laughs> God, don't turn that into a theatrical production. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Actually, Soren Kierkegaard thought God did, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense God's grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors. <clears throat> They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with and God knows better than you what you need. What a God like this, with a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. And the third reason that we're doing this is that when I began to talk about what I was learning from Elia Delio, that there's no sky God, mm -hmm. the first most persistent question right. is... What about prayer? What, what about prayer? Mm -hmm. What good is prayer? Um, if this God doesn't intervene to save Aunt Sally from <clears throat> cancer or uh, Uncle Lewis, who drank a fifth of bourbon every day. Uncle Lewis had it coming. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> from, from dying of cirrhosis of the liver, yeah. what good is God? So we thought that we would approach today with uh, more impromptu air, which mm -hmm. is not extemporaneous. No, no. So um, Pre prepared spontaneity. I'm going to go get that. a cup of coffee now and <laughs> see you later. <laughs> We're expecting that. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, when, when we think about prayer, I, I think back to the recent conversation we got to have with Michael Morewood, who whose entire worldview has changed over the course of his profession as a priest and then um, removing being removed from the priesthood. And the question became, if I am talking about prayer, to whom and for what am I praying? And when I, as you were reading this verse, I thought, you know, if we replaced every you with ego and every God with true self, 
We could also see it this way, right? That to settle in, get real quiet, so that the ego voices are not chirping at you and you get that sense of quiet with the true self. Because we could, we could read this verse still as being out there, an out there God, right? Um, how do we learn to see God all around and also within? So Thomas Merton, whom I'll be quoting later today, mm -hmm. said the discovery of the self, true self, is the discovery of God. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's a great idea. I never thought about doing that. Yeah. So in this mess, I love Eugene Peterson's interpretation of the Bible. It's playful. Do you think God is in a box seat? It's, you know, it's sort of, it has this language around it that makes you not take yourself too seriously, in my opinion. Um, as we've borrowed this text from the Sermon on the Mount, I loved how he reframed the Lord's Prayer, which I imagine we'll get more into. We're given first instructions on how to play, pray. I almost said play. Maybe we should call it play. <laughs> um, and I can't pretend to be an authority on prayer. I think there are as many ways to do it as there are people and religions and rituals in the world. But some words that, I, that sort of jump out at me are get quiet, don't fake it, be simple and honest. And Eugene Peterson translates the Lord's Prayer in this way. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best as above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're a blaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. My favorite part is the yes, yes. Yes. Um, what are the things that make us say yes to life and yes to love and yes, in short, to one another? I think prayers are many things. We lament in prayer. We plea in prayer. We show gratitude, contemplation, silence. I know you've said in here before, Mother Teresa has also been asked many times, what do you say when you are praying? And she says, nothing. I just listen. And God says what? And the reporter said, and what does God say? Yeah. And nothing. she says, nothing. Yeah. God just listens. Right. So an exchange of silence can also be a prayer. I think about the way that we pause in between and how pausing helps us to notice, to notice sensations in the body, sensations around us. That alone is a kind of prayer or offering. Um, I thought about as I was getting dressed this morning, I was very intentional about what I sort of put, what accessories I put on my body. I, I would say that I prayed three times before coming here. You asked me about this bracelet, mm -hmm. which is a blue bracelet made of um, uh, life jackets uh, worn by refugees who came seeking asylum in America. And every bracelet that's bought is going towards scholarship for these refugees who are seeking education, so for dreamers. And when I wear this bracelet, I'm wearing part of them. I can't not forget them. Mm -hmm. um, the second bracelet I have on is one that says Black Lives Matter, and it's a, just a reminder every day that that mantra needs to stay in our nation's psyche until it becomes true. And I put on prayer beads this morning 
Um, you wear prayer beads around your wrist every Sunday, every day probably. Mm -hmm. um, these were made in Mexico and blessed by a shaman. I think I gave you a pair. You only have 180 of them, so. <laughs> but, yeah. I collect prayer beads. Yeah, I knew that. And I'm going to bring some next Sunday just to yeah. show off because yeah. the text is about not showing off. Yeah, just to get up and show everyone. Your... These came from Tibet yeah. and were brought to me by a dear friend. So I think of her uh, when I wear them, uh, actually them, a couple, um, went to Tibet. And um, it's a way to be grounded. Yeah, just little, I think we can make rituals out of almost anything. We mm -hmm. can also make gratitude out of almost anything in the Benedictine tradition. Um, everything that they do, which are just ordinary, everyday life tasks, is an offering. Mm -hmm. Doing the laundry is an offering. Mm -hmm. um, these are ways that we can pray. I, I personally don't have a very formal attitude towards prayer. I don't pray to anything anymore, but when I was little, <laughs> I had this mythical idea of my paternal grandfather, who we've always just called Grandpa Charlie. I never met him. He died before I was born. But the stories about him, the stories that were told, made me think he was kind of a larger-than-life mythical being. So in the absence of any concrete image of God, I prayed to my grandpa, Charlie. Um, I would lay in bed and just imagine these dialogues between him and me. What would I say to him if I got to meet him, and what would he say back to me? I would ask questions. I don't know that I ever got an answer, but that was the image I had in my head. I prayed to Grandpa Charlie. Um, I do ask questions of the, you know, of the universe, if you will, but I very rarely expect an answer. I do have occasional mystical encounters. If I was paying more attention, I'd probably notice that I have mystical encounters every day. But, you know, those feelings like a person calling you right when you're thinking about them, that sort of feels mystical, right? Mm -hmm. You put something out there, it comes back to you. Um, I also believe that that synchronicity is available to us every day in many, many ways. You probably experience synchronicity a lot, mm -hmm. too. Um, and it's some part of it is just the willingness to open our eyes and see. Um, Pierre Terre Deschardins said that the whole of life lies in our ability to see. So Carl Jung would say that this right now mm -hmm. is not an accident. Right, yeah. Yeah. So if you can look at it through that lens, everything's a miracle. Mm -hmm. It's miraculous mm -hmm. that we're here, mm -hmm. that we can see, yeah. hear, communicate, talk. And there's this subtle line between something being intended or willed by God and just being present to the miracle that is life and mm -hmm. existence and evolution that we are here at all. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I looked up the word prayer this week, where what it comes from. So the word prayer is a derivative of Latin precari, which means to beg. I loved the Hebrew equivalent. I'm probably, I, I don't have a great Hebrew accent, but tefillah, along with the root pelel, or it's reflexive, I am going to get this so wrong, lehit palel, means the act of self-analysis or self-evaluation. That for me worked in the sense that if we replaced all the yous with ego and the gods with true self, in prayer, we are doing a kind of self-analysis or evaluation. 
One way that I pray is through art making. I rarely know what the end result will, will look like. I'm not really asking questions um, to be answered, but I'm kind of asking questions during the process. What does this need next? This is one such piece that I made maybe a year and a half ago. It was an, an Advent art making workshop with a friend of mine, Lenicia Rouse Tinsley. She's a brilliant abstract artist. And she gave us this, this small verse or this small refrain that says, the power that governs all dwelt in a small womb. While dwelling there, he was holding the reins of the universe. And we were doing a kind of Visio Divina, Lectio Divina, contemplating the words and then creating images from the words. And this is what came from it. Mm. So art making is definitely a way that I, I get really settled in my body and, and just get really contemplative. There's this conversation that happens, I think, between the words and me and the images that I choose. This is a collage and evolves into a kind of way of seeing. Prayer then begins to be kind of more of an action and interaction rather than a beseeching and a waiting. It's not stagnant. It's not... Um, uh, it's not formulaic. <laughs> it is sometimes a protest. Sometimes prayer is kneeling. Sometimes it's weeping. Sometimes it's laughing. Yesterday, I was sitting on my screen porch um, reading, just doing some much-needed reading. I don't have very many hours of absolute quiet in my house these days, so Josh took the boys out to the Arboretum, and I just had a couple hours to read. And right now, it's um, migration season in Houston, and so many birds are flying, so, so many birds make their migratory path through Houston um, north as they fly back to, for the spring. And there were so many bird songs right outside my screen porch. That felt like a kind of prayer to me. Um, I couldn't see very many of them at all, but I could hear all of them around me. So a mantra can be a prayer. As I said, this bracelet reminds me um, Black Lives Matter, saying you are enough, I am enough, over and over until we believe it. Sometimes our prayer is in action, like a donation to a cause or handing soup to the homeless or to a child. Richard Blanco in his poem, How to, or his poetry book, How to Love a Country, wrote, we're the mending of ourselves and others, we're the Buddhist serving soup at a shelter alongside a stockbroker. We're each other's shelter and hope, a widow's 50 cents in a collection plate, or a golfer's $10,000 pledge for a cure. Okay, can we leave this up for a, a while? Yeah. So uh, your painting looks like a watch. Aha, uh -huh. I see that, yeah. That's not intentional. No, but I, I, I totally see where you're coming from. So it looks like the insides of a, a pocket watch mm -hmm. in a way. Mm -hmm. Well, so that's another part of the prayer, if you will. You are going to inevitably see something different than I do. Kind of like the show in and of itself. What the audience experiences and what you experience are two different things. And there's a labyrinth. There's a labyrinth. And a hand. Mm -hmm. And is that a shell at the bottom of the bottom? It is a spiral, yes. Yeah. 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 Where is this painting currently? Currently, so I put it in our art auction that we had last year when we thought COVID was only gonna be about two months. 
<laughs> and um, someone bought it. Someone from our class bought it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, next Sunday, when we uh, talk about a simple and genuine spirituality, we're going to deal more from a kind of academic is not the right word perspective and deal with some of the questions that you might be having even now about okay so does God answer prayer what good is prayer why do we pray and I would ask you to keep in mind the question that Michael Morewood gave us when he was here about doing this theological work in light of this cosmology that we're discovering what are you asking me to imagine Mm -hmm. when you ask the question that you do about prayer or God or whatever what are you asking me to imagine about God it's a great question Um, we hope keeping our fingers crossed to have um, the Reverend Nadia Bose Weber to appear here on a webinar. We're in negotiations with her about that. And both Holly and I get (laughs) her um, newsletter, Corners. You get Corners? Oh gosh, yes, I do. I was like, is that the name of it? And and, um, the week after the inauguration, she had this prayer. And if you haven't picked up on it yet, Holly and I have brought prayers. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> that we're offering today. So here's a, here's a prayer from Nadia. Dear God, you know what prayers I angrily wrote this morning before deleting them. We'll just leave those between us. <laughs> I thank you that my prayers are received by you even when they are not fit to print. And that as of today, my anger and anxiety have not consumed me whole. Help me forgive myself for not being the person I think I should be. Help me forgive others for not being who I think they should be. Help me forgive this life for not being what I think it should be. Even still, I thank you, God, for the dance party I had with my girlfriends last night on Zoom and for the joy we can share even though through such a lame-ass medium and for the poet Amanda Gorman, who was healer, pastor, and prophet to us this week, and for the life of my beautiful cousin Jennifer, may she rest in your eternal embrace. I thank you for dogs. This is her (laughs) dog, Gertrude Stein. And Wellbutrin, which in combination managed to keep me from catering, cratering. I thank you that there's no upper limit to how many times you will rip out my heart of stone and replace it with one that is warm and beating. I thank you for one more day of sobriety. Increase my capacity for finding joy. Increase my capacity for finding gratitude. Increase my capacity for finding TV shows worth watching. And bless all of our messy, imperfect attempts at prayer, including this one. Amen. Let's email her that she should watch in and of itself. I did. Okay, good. I did. (laughs) Yeah. I'm telling everybody to watch it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's so, I I love Nadia's 
prayers that she puts both on her site and on Instagram and her newsletter. Um, she has a certain kind of vulnerability that is really beautiful and rare in a public space. And yet her prayer is still, you know, we're still being called to imagine who is this God that she is praying to saying, thank you. Did God really make the well putrin? Or is, you know, these kinds of things. What, what are you asking me to imagine? I've asked that question of you over the years to every person who does theology that I respect, my friend Jeremy Rutledge, Matt Russell, um, Jim Bankston, uh, Terry Thompson. There's so many people that I've asked, how do you pray? What does it mean to pray? And I think my favorite answer, which was given to me by yours truly, is what you said about Thich Nhat Hanh praying. What he says before a meal, in this plate of food, I see the entire universe supporting my existence. We could say that about a cup of coffee because the coffee gives us warmth, nurtures us. We have coffee beans that were picked and ground and, and, and put through whatever process they have to go through. We have the person who planted the plant. There's so many aspects to, to thank, including the rain and the wind and the sun for keeping all of these things alive. I think that way of praying, just that in every moment we are kept alive by everything in the universe is, is really humbling and, and, and really beautiful. So thank you for that. He also prays like this before the day starts. Waking up this morning, I smile. 24 brand new hours are before me. I vow to live fully in each moment and to look at all beings with eyes of compassion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I really experience that when we are able to contemplate, to leave room for the numinous, I guess, it gives rise to vulnerability and then to more compassion. Compassion gives rise to our ability to grieve and an ability to recognize. You want to say something? Mm -mm. Yeah. Mm -mm. And our ability to recognize our own impermanence. When we can grieve, part of what we are grieving in every moment is that our moments get closer to the end. We're impermanent. And something I think we can't even begin to know how to grieve. Ooh, I just got a real heavy feeling in my tummy as I said that. Are the losses that our nation and our world has experienced due to COVID. This was the list of deaths from COVID-19 as of May 2020 in America. It filled one page in the New York Times. Wow, my grammar is terrible in this sentence. <laughs> now these names both in America and worldwide, would fill the entire paper. We've lost more than 2 million people around the world to COVID. Mm. We can't see the text. It's so small. But holding this image in our hearts, I believe, is a kind of prayer. Today, you know, we've lost 360,000 in, in America or around that. Today, around the world, over 2 million. This too small too long, too many names on this list, should be our prayer. So how can we say these names? How can we ensure that they are not forgotten? How can we lay our hands on this list and sort of take a breath for them, for the people who can no longer breathe? So Holly, while you were talking about Thich Nhat Hanh and this as well, I had this memory 
uh, uh, when I came back from doing the 10 day, mm -hmm. which I did because Sherry did it. Mm -hmm. And Sherry did it because a friend of ours did it. And uh, that's kind of how the word gets around, right? Mm -hmm. And um, when I, I, I saw the palpable change it made in her mm. to go away for 10 days and do this. And, you know, I already think she's a powerful, integrated human being. Mm -hmm. So I went away and did it. When I came back, it was in December, right before Christmas. I think about two or three days after I came back, I had lunch with a friend of mine who's a devout Buddhist, and he asked me what my experience was, and I told him, and I said, I just have been filled with so much gratitude, just moved to tears with gratitude. And he said, then it worked. Mm. And he get, told me the story about the turtle that lives on the bottom of the oceans. Mm. You heard the story? I don't know. Start it. Well, there's seven oceans, mm -hmm. and the turtle moves from one ocean to another, so you never know where it is. Uh -huh. And once every hundred years, it comes up for a breath of air and mm. then goes back down. Mm. And my friend said, suppose you were out in a rowboat in the middle of one of these oceans, and you had a small brass ring that on impulse you decided to throw out into the ocean. And as the ring came down over the ocean, the turtle comes up mm. and the ring goes over the turtle. Mm. What are the odds of that? I said, it's, you can't calculate that. And right. he said, those are the odds of your being here in this incarnation with the blessings that you have to mm. talk to me this and to have had that experience and to, and to, and to. Right. And we are so often filled with complaints and whining that we don't get it. Yeah. What a miracle it is. Yeah. And there's this guy, Jesus, who says, you know, <laughs> to whom much is given, yeah. much will be required. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Absolutely. So prayer or spiritual practice is not about acquiring something. It's um, about becoming aware mm -hmm. of who and what our true identity is. Now, my research department. <laughs> she's paid well. Oh, yeah. She's paid nothing. <laughs> I get to, I, I should pay. But Sherry's spiritual practice is poetry. And um, she just recently gave me another book this last week, by Bill, uh, Poetry of Billy Collins. And uh, one time she gave me um, a book of poetry that she had finished reading called Aimless Prayer. Mm. And um, the poem that Billy Collins wrote is based on a news article that, that's on printing and the article said it has been calculated that each copy of the Gutenberg Bible required the skins of 300 sheep. Got that? I say poor sheep. So here's the poem that Billy Collins wrote. <clears throat> so you see the sheep, you see the Bible. I can see them squeezed in the holding pen behind the stone building where the printing press is housed. All of them squirming around to find a little room and looking so much alike. 
It would be nearly impossible to count them. And there's no telling which one will carry the news that the Lord is a shepherd. Mm. One of the things they already knew. I love that. God, that's really beautiful. Isn't that powerful? So our losing our sight and our awareness of our true nature is really one of the barriers to mystical spirituality. Now, there are lots of other barriers. Sadly, most of them are put up by organized religion. Religious language. Um, I, I, I know it is naive for me to say this, but I'm in good company with, um, well, of course, with Jesus. But I'm thinking more particularly about Thich Nhat Hanh, about the Dalai Lama, about Desmond Tutu. Um, about people who teach that the God in me sees the God in you. Mm. If we could do that, we would stop so much of the damage that is being done in this planet out of righteousness and judgment. If we could see that all of creation is an expression of the sacred, we might stop plundering the earth. It's been said that the only animal that soils its nest is the human. Mm. I'm so grateful for the academic work that's been done by people who have been my teachers over the years. I'm particularly grateful for all the work that's been done through, say, the Jesus Seminar and the scholars that I have met there. I think that's so important to know. And I do emphasize religious literacy as being an extremely important thing. But if we limit ourselves to that arena, we will not know the mystical journey that enables somebody like Billy Collins to write a poem like this. Mm. There is an arena of love and seeing that we simply have to risk entering. It's work <laughs> and it's worth it. As you were reading that poem, um, I was thinking of my oldest son who loves maps. Like for Christmas, he asked for four different types of atlases and he just loves them. He, he loves to learn about the countries. He loves the shape of the countries. He quizzes us nightly on different facts and capitals and where things are. It, it's really, I mean, he just, he has a, an obsession <laughs> with maps. And I was thinking about this, you know, when he, what is it I wondered that he loves about these books of maps and atlases? And I thought, how sort of magical is it that he can hold the world in his hands? You know, in the same way that in the Gutenberg Bible, we're holding 300 sheep in our hands. You know, and so imagining that he can hold the world in his hands, that he can also, through these books, experience the life of a tree, mm. experience the, you know, the, 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 the things that went into making these books. And, and we've, I've talked about that with him, but he can hold something so large in his hands. And that's pretty magical. I think that's what books 
and poetry and, um, I mean, anything that is material gives us is an ability to kind of hold, hold the world in it. That's in amazing. Hands. Yeah. Some kids get caught up in dinosaurs or yeah. toy trucks and... He's caught up in the world. In he the world loves and it. maps. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. He also loves kind of, a, you know, the cosmic world, the looking at stars and learning about space. So wonder where yeah. he got that. I don't know. I think I got it from him, to be honest with you. So... But there's, you know, I, there are so many mystical poets that um, I love, that you love. I'm sure that Sherry has loved as well. Um, Kabir is one of these mystical poets, and he writes, Tell me, what is God? He is the breath inside the breath. So prayer, maybe first and foremost, is an attention to breath. When I first, when I read my first book about um, how to meditate, kind of, you know, you, it starts with counting the breaths, the in-breaths and the out-breaths. And when I can't sleep some nights, I still do that. I count, I don't count sheep <laughs> anymore. I probably did when I was little. Um, but I count my in-breaths and my out-breaths until I drift back into sleep. I have a poem that I'll read in a minute about breath, reminding us that those who have existed before us we are breathing in molecules of their air, of their bodies. We're breathing in molecules of dinosaurs, of the Gutenberg Bible, of Beethoven. So it's really quite magical that with every breath, we are also connected to all of life. Um, the poem, well, what, you had something to say, I think, but, or I can keep going. Keep going. Okay. The, the poem that I have found recently or found me that sort of puts an ineffable experience like shock or grief or death into words, poetry helps things become concrete when we don't have words for them. When we notice how and where things hurt, poems, scripture, words can become revelations and memories. One of my favorite poets is Ross Gay, or recently, a kind of recent discovery. Um, he wrote this poem after Eric Garner died some years ago. It's called A Small Needful Fact. Is that Eric Garner worked for some time for Parks and Rec, horticultural department, which means perhaps that with his very large hands, perhaps in all likelihood, he put gently into the earth some plants, which most likely, some of them in all likelihood, continue to grow, continue to do what plants do, like house and feed small and necessary creatures, like being pleasant to touch and smell, like converting sunlight into food, like making it easier for us to breathe. When we do something like plant a seed, when we do something like breathe, we are making it possible for things around us to live. And that kind of continuation of life is to me a bit of a prayer, just even contemplating that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, th I think also about, you know, those, we've seen this a lot in the last couple of years, how do we pray for those who we perceive to be doing harm, who are committing acts of violence, committing acts of racism, who have choked the life literally and figuratively out of others, how might we pray then? And the simplest and most direct and probably profound prayer that I have found in the Bible is when Jesus says, Father, 
Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Right. So um, I need to jump ahead. Yeah. You've got a couple of slides here. That, right. um So I want to I want to do two prayers real quickly. This one is by Willard Sperry, who is the dean of a Harvard Divinity School, and this prayer has stayed with me uh, for for God. 15 years since I first read it. Give us, O Lord, a right discernment between that which comes first in our faith and that which follows after. And when we would make much of that which cannot matter much to thee, recall us to the heart of our Christian profession, Jesus our Lord. I think so much. Uh, not as much as I used to because I'm not as involved in it as I used to be but how the church wastes its times and energies on things that do not matter. <laughs> I mean, I, I remember that when, when I grew up uh, a Baptist in Tennessee, man, the thing that mattered was whether you'd been baptized by full immersion or not. Mm -hmm. Who cares? <laughs> and now, of course, we've gotten to the point where the thing that is dividing churches to this day is the issue of full inclusion of everybody into the all levels of organized religion. Mm -hmm. I, I cannot imagine the Jesus that I know thinking, hmm, well, that's really important. Yeah, right. Let's, let's make sure to make a prayer about that. <laughs> so uh, today is the birthday of this man. Today? Today. Wow. It's the birthday of Thomas Merton. Thomas Merton read the poetry of William Blake and out of that converted to Christianity and out of that made a decision to go to Gethsemane Monastery in Kentucky, outside of Louisville, Kentucky, where he spent the rest of his life off and on. I mean, um, Merton's biography, Seven Story Mountain, is interesting. And you can learn more about Merton through Jim Finley. Mm -hmm. But there is a prayer of Merton's that uh, I have loved. I used to have it part of my daily practice every day. I don't at the moment. I have others. Wait a minute. 1915 to 1945? That must be a mistake. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, surely he was more than 30 when he died. He lived well into the 70s, did he not? Mm -hmm. Okay. He died of, elect, uh, he was electrocuted. That's right. Yeah. So he was at a, an ecumenical conference in Bangkok. And he was, he had already delivered his remarks and he said, uh, we do not pray to be one. He said that these, he got interested in Sufism. Mm -hmm. uh, I got a poet by a Sufi later. Uh, I mean, a prayer. He got interested in Sufism and Middle Eastern religions. And he went to Bangkok to deliver this conference at this intra-religious uh, meeting. And in his remarks, he said, we do not pray to be one. We are already one, we pray to realize that. Right. And then in his room, he was adjusting an electric fan and was electrocuted. Goodness, yeah. 
Yeah. So um, th this is the prayer that mm -hmm. I discovered by Thomas Merton. And by the way, this, this uh, is an expression to me of authentic spirituality because he is admitting, I don't know. Okay. My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you, and I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire, and I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always. Though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are ever forever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Mm. What an expression of faith. Some of the, one of the things that's sort of occurring to me as we're sitting here is just, again, this attention to um, belonging, continuation. So breath is a continuation of life. This not knowing what comes before or after being suspended in between is, is part of our continuation. And, and this longing for wholeness, I think. And part of the, the, the reason that I think we pray is because there's something unfinished there's a wholeness that we're longing for. Uh, we mentioned the Red Book and Carl Jung quite a bit, but in, in the Red Book, Carl Jung attended to this pursuit of wholeness for three years in, in meditation and dreaming and drawing and painting. And, and he came to realize that in dreams and in the symbol of the mandala, for example, that this is our seeking for wholeness. And he followed this sort of circular path of dreams until he sort of arrived at something that approximated the center. And just the idea that prayers can also be an expression of or desire for wholeness is really expressed in so many of the poems and prayers that we've chosen. An author wrote, we are not one person, we are many people. We are a community of moods and selves under one name. Parts of us aren't even human, we're part mammal, part reptile, part moon part wind. And this is, harkens back to, I think, what Thomas Merton is expressing. I don't know. Um, but in, even to Thich Nhat Hanh's simplicity of prayer and the whole universe is supporting my existence. I can't pretend to know the before and the after, but the whole thing is supporting my existence. I also um, pray through poetry, if you will. And one of the books that I, I was looking this week at the various books that I have which a couple slides back was a whole stack of just some of them. I think I have about four times that many. And there's a woman named Judy Atal who created a book of prayers and poems in simple watercolors during the process of her mother's terminal illness and death. And it was her way of kind of synthesizing what was going on. It's a collection of poems from many faith traditions and she categorizes them into emotions um, like grief, like laughter, like waking up. And for her, this was a process of healing and also grieving. And so to speak to that desire for wholeness is this small poem. It's a Japanese poet 
The world is a dewdrop. Yes, the world is a dewdrop. And yet, and yet. So to me, this is kind of like the incompletion of prayer. And yet, we don't know where we are going or necessarily even where we are from. You said something earlier um, about seeing myself and God as one, seeing God and others, and it would prohibit violence in this world. One of, our, I think, our shared favorite mystics might be Meister Eckhart. Um, this is an image. Do you know this image, Bill? This is um, the birth of a galaxy. <laughs> it is the first image of a black hole. Okay. Taken, you know, two years ago, so telescopes, yep. powerful telescopes all over the world synchronized in their capturing this image of a black hole. And a, a Hawaiian linguist named it Poehi, and, which is ah, dark and endless void. Mm. Um, and it reminds me so much of Meister Eckhart's saying or writing that says, the eye through which I see God is the same eye through which God sees me. My eye and God's eye are one eye, one seeing, one knowing, one love. That might be one of my favorite prayers. But to contemplate this image is also a kind of prayer. Yeah. 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 We're running up on our, we have. <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you, uh, we're, we're not going to be able to do all the prayers that no. we put together. Uh, I, I do want you to do the one that you're going to close with. I sure will. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll come back and talk about some of these next week. If you go to the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew, you can find out where we are in chapter 6. Because we'll begin next Sunday with, another, with the, what's called the Lord's Prayer. But a different version, I'm going to offer that. And then we're going to talk about what more about this practice of prayer. But I, w I want to give you one by a Sufi uh, that I ran across. Um, this man... Um, Hazrat Khan is the man who brought Sufism to the United States. And you can look him up on um, Wikipedia and mm -hmm. find out more about him. He's really got a very amazing story. But I love this prayer of his. Listen. Give me, O oh God, deep thoughts, high dreams, few words, much silence, the narrow path, the wide outlook, the end in peace. Amen. The, the things that poetry and prayer have in common for me is a kind of attempt at expressing the ineffable. Yeah. Trying to wrap our arms around that which we cannot understand. Um, I don't know why I thought of this in this, in this series, but uh, maybe it was talking about my son, but I think one of the most sort of plaintive prayers that we first learn is, Mommy, right? Like this kind of crying out for something to hold us. You know? well, um, I forget who said this. It'll come to me, very famous 
popular spiritual or religious writer of our time. C.S. Lewis. Huh? C.S. Lewis. No. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> the woman who's been here and spoke on a book tour, uh, she said the prayers that, there are three prayers, uh, help. Oh, Anne Lamott. Anne Lamott, mm -hmm. please. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So one of the kinds of prayers that I feel somewhat lacking in or envious of is song. And I think song is also sometimes, <laughs> so I'll, I'll share this with you. My name, my, my whole name before I got married is Holly Lewis. I don't have a middle name. And my parents say that they named me Holly Lewis because it sounded like the song Alleluia. Really? So my, song, my name is a song. So, you know, actually in church over the years, in Christmas and Easter, instead of singing Alleluia, we sang Holly Lewis. Holly Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> is that blasphemous? I'm not sure, but, but I, I like my name. So thanks, Mom and Dad. But um, you, so my, the name is a song. And there's actually a tradition in some places that a, a child is not named until the parents or the community finds the song for the child. And then they sing the child into being named. It's a beautiful idea. Yeah. Um, but sometimes when I'm driving, I turn up my music really loud. I have a, a playlist that is called Songs to Sing To, and I just belt them out. Nobody's in the car with me. It's just my way of feeling a little free. <laughs> And I've ended class with this song before, but it is one of my most favorite simple prayers that is also a song. I used to sing this over my kids. I sang it when I was pregnant, over my belly. <laughs> I sang it to them every single night for probably the first five years of their lives. I still sing it to them from time to time. But it's the band U2, who is my favorite band, homage to Martin Luther King. Sleep, sleep tonight, and may your dreams be realized. If the thundercloud passes rain, so let it rain, rain down on him. So let it be, let it be. Sleep, sleep tonight, and may your dreams be realized. If the thundercloud passes rain, so let it rain, rain on him. No matter where you go this week, no matter what happens, remember this, you carry precious cargo, so watch your step and we'll see you here next week. That was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you.